0: The following is an Encore presentation of Mance Mitchell. Gary and Suzanne would like to wish you and everyone the happiest of holidays.
1: Leave it to Beaver. Starring Barbara Billingsley, Hugh Beaumont, Tony Dow, and Jerry Mathers as the beaver.
2: GIF. It's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell, a double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend, Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. Happy Friday, TGIF, everyone. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Mance and Mitchell in your ears for the hour. What a day we have planned for you today. But, of course, we have to say hello. And by purest coincidence, today, we're always happy to work with this gentleman. We call him bad boy Benny Mathers at the board. Benny, how are you today, sir?
0: I'm doing very awesome. This is a rarity in a true form, of course. I don't have very many opportunities of this because of, uh, concerning my last name, yeah, uh that's kind of like the topic and uh, show uh, concept of what we're going with. So you need to stay here, stay tuned for some uh, great announcements. Well, we did the
3: genealogy uh-huh. on Benny Mathers. And <laughs> oh, Jerry did you? Mather, oh, okay. <laughs> and they're like uh, cousins removed about 19 <laughs> times, I think. So. I, that's about right. <laughs> there we go. I, your cousins by another network. So they are right, go. Completely. Completely. Well, let's get right to our guest. Jerry Mather's show business career began at the tender age of two when a pet condensed milk commercial with Ed Gwynn and by six had made many appearances in early 1950s television shows. His debut in 1954, his movie debut is with Linda Darnell and This Is My Love, followed in 1955 by Alfred Hitchcock's The Trouble with Harry, starring John Forsyth and Shirley MacLaine, two Bob Hope movies, two movies with Alan Ladd, and then Leave it to Beaver, debuted in October 1957, ran for six seasons, 234 episodes, and 63 years later is still seen in reruns today. Gary and I caught quite a few of those recently in anticipation of our show. We are thrilled to welcome today with us Jerry Mathers. Hello, sir. Glad you're with us.
1: Oh, thank you very much. It's a pleasure being with you, Gary and Susan.
3: Well,
2: this is just a treat for us and for everybody listening because our show in particular, Jerry, appeals to the baby boomer crowd. And it's boomer for a reason. There are a lot of us and a lot of us still around. And we remember with joy and with A really strong sense of nostalgia, I think particularly today, with what the world is facing. The good old days and a more idealized and lovely picture of what American life could be. I would say almost aspirationally, Jerry, referring to a show that that started, debuted October 4, 1957. The last episode in production aired June 20, 1963. 1957 and 1963, that was before the storm in the 60s, Jerry.
1: Well, you know what? It was a lot of fun, and there were a lot of good times, but in those years, there were a lot of bad times, too. I mean, we just came out of a a big war just a very few years before that, so, um, you know, it was a show about a little boy growing up in America, in mid-America, and it just took off, and it's still on the air today.
3: A very idealized America, you know. Gary and I, we're, we were wishing we could live back then where you were, with all the fun neighbors, the safe neighborhood, the good times. But uh, definitely uh, a nostalgia because it was an it was like a Norman Rockwell painting. We'd all like to live inside, and you had that opportunity to do that.
1: Well, yes, it was a lot of fun, and you know. Um, I think a lot of people had that life. I mean, I, I did. I, I had a very different life, of course. I had a you know a private tutor, and I, I started working on live TV when I was two years old. And by the time I had done Leave It to Beaver, I'd done several movies. I'd worked with Alan Ladd, Bob Hope, Eva Marie Saint. I'd done a lot of live TV because once you did one live TV show. You worked all the time because they couldn't afford to have a kid that might go out there and be afraid or say the wrong things. So I was a working actor since I've been two years old.
3: And you're still doing it today. So you must have one of the longest careers in show business.
1: Well, I don't know about that. There's a lot of us around that... uh, started around that age, but you know, it's, it's been a fun time. I don't even feel like it's work, you know, you go, you meet a lot of nice people, you're treated real well, it's fun, and then people tell you how great you are, so I can't see any downside.
2: No, I wouldn't see that either, and that leads me to ask you, Jerry, do you have a sense, all these years, have you felt a sense of destiny guiding you?
1: No, honestly, I don't know what that really means, destiny. You know, I just happened to be very lucky. I'd be one place uh, even before Leave it to Beaver. You know, I was doing a movie. Alfred Hitchcock saw me and hired me for another movie, and I did. I worked with Bob Hope. I did a lot of movies and a lot of live TV before Leave it to Beaver. Now, Leave it to Beaver, of course, is the thing I'm best known for. It's because it's the longest-running show in television history and has never been off the air since 1957 and plays in about 50 languages all over the world. But I had worked for a long time and worked after Leave it to Beaver. So, you know, it was fun. It's a great show, and I'm glad people are still enjoying it today. I remember, though, when I was a kid, I used to watch The Little Rascals, which was made in, I guess, the early 40s and 50s. So, you know, it's a show that uh, is still very relevant. Kids are still getting in the same kind of mischief that Beaver got into, a lot of times not knowing it was really as mischievous as it was.
3: You know, Gary and I, um, we know you originally from Leave it to Beaver, but we also really like the movie The Trouble with Harry that Alfred Hitchcock directed. And as soon as we saw you, we went, The Beave! My God, yes! But I'm wondering, how was it working with Alfred Hitchcock? Did you get a good direction from him? Did you learn anything from him?
1: Well, absolutely. I'm uh, pretty sure I'm probably one of the only people that can say, I used to sit on Alfred Hitchcock's knee, and he would run over my lines with me. And we it was a very special movie because it was done in, a lot of it, in Stowe, Vermont. So instead of just being at a studio, and not that studios are bad, but we were out on location with a crew. Um, the ladies of Vermont made us all sorts of great food, and I still yearn for those blueberry muffins that they'd have every day. And all the ladies would make, I don't know, Basically, dozens, and each one would want to see because Mr. Hitchcock was uh, very big into food, which one he would pick. And then I'd walk right behind him and pick out whatever one he did because I knew that was the best one for that day.
2: <laughs> I good. love that. If you're going to be directed by. Anyone. I think Alfred Hitchcock will do, particularly. I don't know if you're the type of actor going back to your boyhood where you had the butterflies, but Hitchcock famously said, It's only a movie. So he would tend to put people at ease, I would imagine.
1: He was just a really nice guy. And, you know, I, as I say, I started on live TV at two years old. So You know, doing a a film was just, you know, so easy for me, because even if you did make some even little mistake, they could always go back and and redo it. But, you know, at two years old, um, when you're on live TV, once you do it once right and you don't do it wrong again, uh, people keep saying, I've got to have that kid, because what if you get out in front of a live audience and start to cry? It goes out to millions of people all across the world. So I worked all the time in movies and TV and, he was just a really nice person to work with.
3: You were quite the veteran before you ever got to Leave It to Beaver with the television shows that you did and the movies that you did. By the time you got to Leave It to Beaver, there, was there anyone there who tried to take you under their wing, so to speak? Anyone who was you know, particularly nice and, and helpful on the set among your uh, co-hosts?
1: Well, um, amongst the other actors, probably the best one. And he he wasn't, I mean, I, it's a hard thing to say, but he wasn't a father figure to me, but he was really a very good mentor, was Hugh Beaumont. In fact, um, oh. in the new Leave it to Beaver, which we made many years later, he was even a director. But even when I was doing the original Leave it to Beaver, we would talk and you know, he might say, you know, Jerry, if you said this a little bit different or did that, did, 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 whatever, and I would always listen to him because I knew that he knew what he was talking about. He was a lifelong friend and, and a person I miss greatly.
3: And that's funny because Gary and I were just kind of speculating this morning about who might have been that person. And, and we kind of narrowed it down between... Uh, Tony Dow and Hugh Beaumont. Was there ever kind of a big brother dynamic with Tony Dow, or were you just fellow actors?
1: Well, we weren't fellow act. We were fellow actors, but, I mean, we were more friends. Now, they were very, very uh, cognizant of the fact that I was younger than him, and even though they didn't have to, he was in basically a junior high and high school, and I was in elementary school, so we had different teachers but when we had finished our schooling and working and had a little play time, I mean, we'd go out and we have some of the people on the, the grips and the different people on the show, and we'd throw baseballs and throw footballs around. So it was really a very fun, and, it, and honestly, I didn't even consider it a work environment. It was just a lot of fun to go to the studio every day. I had a lot of friends, and it was just a good time.
2: And a good time with all the associated feelings of family love. It it makes you nostalgic. This is my chance to say to you, Jerry, that years and years and years ago, I had an uncle, my uncle Bob, who was a pretty tough nut to crack, but he was touched at the end of those years when the closing credits ran and uh, there was uh, coming home from school, I guess it was, you and Wally are going, so you have the beaver and Wally, and at one point, Wally puts his hand on your shoulder sort of guiding you into the home. You two have arrived at home. And my uncle thought that was so touching. He made a comment one time that he loved to see that. And the reason why, and this would be true for many Americans, sadly enough, he grew up in a home where spousal abuse and violence occurred. And uh, my mom really had it rough. And so, in that situation, there to look years later with all that he had gone through, and many would share this emotion, and they watched this touching scene at the end of a show that they loved, meant a lot to so many people that you will never even know.
1: Well, absolutely. And it's, you know, people don't realize it, but it's not only this country, it's all over the world. Leave it to Beaver plays in about 40 some languages. So, a lot of places uh, outside of the United States. Uh, the first really view of an American family, I mean, they saw the news, they saw this and that, but an American family was Leave it to Beaver because it's dubbed into all sorts of different languages. It's kind of funny sometimes. And In Japan, because I was smaller, they had a little girl dub my voice, which is okay for about the first three years, but by the the last (laughs) couple of years, not only do I speak Japanese very well, but I have a little girl's voice. (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh my gosh oh my gosh well they get it done one way or the other that's for sure Absolutely. Jerry there's one thing that the one thing really intrigues me because I don't think there was a lot of precedent for it but if I understand things correctly your first season Leave it to beaver was on CBS and then, thereafter was aired on ABC. I remember that happening uh, with NBC and ABC trading off there in the case of Taxi. But for Leave it to Beaver back in 1957 going into 1958, was there a precedent for that?
1: You know, um, because of my age at the time, um, I don't really know the ins and outs of that. But I just know that uh, I think it was that we were a very popular show. When we first went on the air, you know, it was kind of a, Um, uh, uh, something people didn't know. Would people watch a show about a little boy growing up in America? And all of a sudden we became so popular that that all the networks wanted us. So we were very happy where we were because these were people that took a chance with us because people said, who would want to watch a little boy growing up in mid-America? And after our first year, we got so popular people said, we want that show, too. And so, you know, it's the longest-running show in television history. It's never been off the air since 57, and shows, a lot of people don't realize this, all over the world. It doesn't show as much now all over the world, but in a lot of places in the 50s and 60s and early 70s, it really introduced American culture to foreign nations.
3: You know, having, a, there's so many questions that we have just about your getting into acting. And, and one of the things I was wondering about, since you did start at two years old, that couldn't have been your decision. And so I was wondering if that was a, kind of the classic stage mom, or whether that was your dad, or, or how it is that you ended up getting into that. Was it recommended by a friend or a neighbor? Somebody had to have said, hey, that kid would look, is so cute, he'd be great on TV, Do you know how that all came about? It was
1: all by accident. My dad was fully employed. Um, He ended up as a superintendent of L.A. schools. When I was doing Leave it to Beaver, he was a vice principal and principal. But before that, he was just a regular teacher, and my mom was walking through a department store looking for clothing for me, and... um, A man walked up to her, and he said, is this your little boy? And my mom went, oh, did he touch something? Did he break something? You know, I'll pay for it. I'm very sorry. And the man went, no, but we've been watching you try on some of the clothes. And I'm the manager of this uh, different department store. And I was wondering if he could be a model for us because he fits our two-year-old clothes just perfectly. And my mom kind of went, whoa, what kind of a con game is this? And the man said, not she didn't say it in those words, but she said, well, I just don't really know. And the man said, well, you know what, if, if he could do this, we would pay him a little bit of money and he could keep the clothes. And my mom said, I'm sure he could do that. And so I really started on the stage as a model. But at that time, live TV, there wasn't the videotape they have nowadays. So when they started looking in New York, they could go to the New York stage to find kids. Here in Hollywood, there really wasn't a stage community. So they said, well, what kids... Work in front of a live audience, well, the models. So I started doing live TV at two years old.
2: And two years old, now, it's many, I know in my case, it's hard for me to remember anything that happened. And I probably don't around two years old. Jerry, when did you get a sense at that tender age, when did you get a sense that what you were doing was presenting yourself in a role for the public to enjoy?
1: Uh, you know what? I really honestly didn't. I mean, it would probably be like you saying, when you went to kindergarten, when did you know that you were in school? It was fun. I mean, I got to go to places that I wouldn't go any other, you know, had never been to before, meet a lot of nice people that treated me really well. Um, It was just fun meeting the people, doing the things. And all I had to do was, you know, remember a very few at first simple lines and, you know, later on a, a lot more lines, but it was always fun and everyone treated me well. So I really liked going to the studio and just all
3: the fun people that I met. You know, you di- you're saying that you really didn't know anything other than what you were immersed in, so you may not have been aware at such a, a tender age that in some ways you were a little insulated, but in when Gary and I were looking and preparing for today's show, we noticed that you went to uh, UC Berkeley and that yes, uh, you went, you went to high, a high school. Philosophy. And and I'm wondering if there was a time when you ended up kind of being surprised about the world outside of acting, when you were either in college or with the 60s protests or something else, did you find yourself being kind of caught unawares by what was going on?
1: No, but, you know, I think in a way I was very lucky. I worked from the time I was two, Leave It to Beaver, luckily for me now, I realize, ended my very first, uh, you know, when I was a freshman in high school. So I went to a regular high school. Um, I was on the football team. I was on the track team. Um, So I was just a regular kid. Um, I then spent six years in the Air Force and Air National Guard and also went to Berkeley. I'm a graduate of Berkeley. I have a degree in philosophy. And uh, then I went into real estate and did very, very well. And I was lucky enough that uh, in the late 70s and early 80s, I did a, a remake of Leave it to Beaver called The New Leave it to Beaver, and I did that for six years. And so my life has been very, very blessed, and I've always had you know, something I could fall back on if uh, if things ever turned bad, and luckily enough, they never did.
2: And having such a well-rounded life, for me, perfectly justifies if it needed to be, and I don't think it really does. But, for example, Jerry, you say you have a degree in philosophy. I envy you because I would have... Taken that path, had I not been attracted, I was raised as uh, pretty strictly as a parochial school kid. So I went to college, at Cal State Fullerton, and I got my degree in religious studies. But man, was I ever fascinated by philosophy outside the churches. There's another way to look at the world, many other ways to do so. And you went to Berkeley and got your degree in philosophy. I just think that's terrific. What do you remember about that in terms of the influences on your academic life at that level?
1: Well, you know, it was just something I had always wanted to do. I'd always heard about Berkeley, and, you know, of course, the the entire L.A., uh, or not L.A., but uh, California school system is absolutely great. Um, my dad was a vice principal, and principal, and a superintendent of schools, so, um, you know, I'd always, uh, education was very important to, in my life, and I'd always wanted to go to Berkeley because I heard it was the hardest, and I was a little scared at first but uh, it was just a fun experience I I lived in a fraternity I was away from home for the very first time so it was just a lot of fun and uh, something that I really enjoyed and was very glad that I had picked that because it uh, you know it it emancipated me
2: I can see where that would happen by the way which fraternity did you pledge
1: I was a Chi size
2: I was Phi Sigma Kappa so yes fraternity life there with plenty of stories of its own, <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, that go is there. that is amazing to me. Now, you go to Berkeley. There, I'd just like to stay on this for a moment, Jerry. Sure. You go to Berkeley, this wonderful school, world-renowned, wonderful. I visited the campus with a friend who went up there to finish his degree before he went to law school, so I got a little bit of a tour. And I thought, man, what a terrific place to go, not only for the sake of the university and its quality, but also the Berkeley environment itself. It was a real eye-opener for me. But when you were going there, now, you'd been the beaver. You were famous, quite so. When you go there socially, what were the interactions like on a given day when you show up at Berkeley and you were the beaver?
1: Well, you know, Berkeley, just as you were saying, was a place that was a very hard school to get into. I mean, it was, uh, I think, probably the toughest of the of the University of California schools to get into. I was in a fraternity, so I had a lot of fraternity brothers. I just didn't go right into, like, the dorms and things like that, which might have been a lot harder. So, you know, I had a lot of uh, advice and protection, um, and so I was never really bothered. I mean, people knew who I was, and it just wasn't any big deal because there were a lot of very smart people at Berkeley who had tried very hard to get there, and I was just lucky enough. And I had a, a wonderful education. I mean, before from the first to about the sixth and almost seventh grade, I had a private tutor, which is... You know, not like going to school with a lot of people. If you're a little bit behind or a lot behind in any subject, we could just spend a day or two or a week on that subject and bring me right up to to grade level and above. So um, when I took the tests uh, to go to Berkeley, I you know was very happy that I was able to pass them and had a wonderful experience up there.
3: When you were in high school and college, I'm curious as to what kind of music you were attracted to. Gary calls himself a Beatle Maniac. There was Elvis, there was Peter, Paul, and Mary. What What did you like to listen to?
1: All those things, and I was a musician myself. I started a band. We were called Beaver and the Trappers, and we played, to be honest with you, a lot of the different schools down here for sock hops and proms, um, and that probably from my a few in my sophomore year, but in my junior and senior year in high school, You know, almost every probably two weekends, sometimes three a month, we would be doing the sock hops and proms all over Los Angeles. And it was a lot of fun, and I didn't back down that I was the beaver because it was beaver and the trappers, but it was, you know, hardcore rock and roll for the mind, body, and soul.
2: Rock and well, that's, roll, there That's you pretty go. snappy. I like that. <laughs> it also, I'm sure, gave you an opportunity to break out with your individual personality and what you wanted out of life. It gave you an opportunity to avoid being typecast in a way that happens to some actors where, you know, they. I think, for example, of how much work it must have been for Carol O'Connor to stop being viewed as Archie Bunker, for example.
1: That's right. In fact, in my high school and all the different schools, you know, around mine, all the people I met, a lot of them knew Leave to Beaver, but they knew me more for Beaver and the Trappers.
2: I love that. That is great. Uh, Before we go to break here in a few minutes, our one and only break of the hour, we're going to maximize our use of our time here with Jerry Mathers visiting us. Um, I think in terms of The various sets. Now, of course, I'm a TV fan. I've watched my share of sitcoms, God knows, for for about five or six decades there. But when I, I look at TV and then I read about it, it's fascinating to me how the public will have an image of the stars and the series themselves and not know, perhaps not at all, or they only find out much later, how difficult it can be to work on that set So I'm very curious to know. By contrast, I hope, Jerry, I think of a show like The Golden Girls. Smash hit. Wonderful show. Still in syndication. And yet I've heard, unfortunately, those stories about some very bitter battles amongst the ladies on that cast. All of them wonderful actresses. But there was this tension that would spill over into animosity quite frequently. I sure hope that that was not the case when it came to Leave It to Beaver. Was it a cool set to work?
1: Very definitely. You have nothing to worry about. Everybody liked everybody else. You know, all the all the other kids. In fact, when we had other kids on the show, it was always a treat for me. Uh, Tony and I had one of the best educations anybody could ever have. We had private tutors that were probably some of the best people in the L.A. Unified School District because they were also um, social workers to make sure that we could only work a certain amount of hours a day and look after our safety. So we had these great teachers for each of our you know, uh, whatever, uh, wherever we were in the school system, and uh, as I say, it was just an awful lot of fun. I worked on a set where, you know, if you if a child doesn't want to work, you can you can tell a, an adult actor you can assume you can't do that with the kids. So it was a very fun place. I used to between scenes go out and throw baseballs and footballs, and Tony Dow and myself both had a wonderful time on the show, and it was a great experience.
2: Well, I think of two things when I look at physical appearance. I think of your sweet cherubic face as the beaver. And till, still to this day, Jerry, I will look at the reruns, which we watched. Suzanne's got a story about that. It was a neat synchronicity. Uh, we'll get to that in a moment. But uh, when I look at Tony Dow there as Wally, I go, man, what a head of hair that kid had. Even back then, I'd kill to have hair like that.
1: Well, let me tell you. His hair was one thing, but what was really, to me, was not, I guess, I don't know, fascinating isn't the word, but Tony Dow was an AAU diving and swimming champion who was probably headed to the Olympics had he not gotten the part on Leave it to Beaver. So, I mean, I would go places with him, and sometimes we'd go on you know, personal appearance tours where we'd go to hotels and things, and he would be in the pool doing triple flips and off the high boards, and I was going I wonder if every kid that age, and I'm supposed to be doing that. I can't do that at all. So he was quite something to live up to as far as being a big brother.
3: Wow. Yeah. You know, I I, I don't dive, but I do. I love to swim. And one of the things I noticed this morning was that Tony Dow and I have the same birthday, not the same Let's year, but the in same the water. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> must be. Must be the synchronicity that Gary was mentioning was that um, we've been watching shim sh- some shows as far as doing uh, preparation for today. And uh, one morning I said, come on, come on, Gary, uh, leave it to beaver is on. And we ran into the living room. We caught the absolute last episode of the show, the the final episode, and they followed that with season one, episode one. So we had to give ourselves a couple of high fives there. that We caught the last one and the first one on the same day. And so we well, were know, really people, glad.
1: I, I guess it, I think it will surprise them. It's the longest-running show in television history. It's never been off the air since 1957. and plays in about 30 to some, some people say 40 different languages all over the world. So it's something that has brought America to a lot of different places, and it's something I'm very proud
3: of. And it's why you're known by more than just baby boomers, because right. it, it has run continually. You've had people from you know, newer generations also appreciating it, and they know exactly who we're talking about. Well,
1: yeah, there's 234 episodes, and as I say, playing from 1957. Uh, the, the funny part is when a plays is a lot of places overseas, so like in Japan, a little girl does my voice, or in Germany and every place, and people, when they see me like at an airport or something, come up and start talking, and I kind of look at them and smile, and I... Hear a word that I think is probably leave it to Beaver or Beaver, but I have no idea what they're talking about.
2: <laughs> now that is very interesting. E- even just in Spanish, I can't imagine what the phrase would be in Spanish. G Wally, <laughs> you'd have the Wally part down, but an exclamation like that in all these different languages—that's
1: It terrific. is, and it, you know, it, it brought American culture to a lot of places because TV. You know, we started in '57. Now TV was not just a brand new thing but people didn't really have shows about you know people that lived in America and so uh, they saw that and saw a little boy growing up and that's what they thought America was after that
2: that is the perfect place for us to take a break and thank you Jerry for that because I know how to segue on the other side we'll take a quick two-minute break and then more with Jerry Mathers He's not Jerry Mathers as the beaver, but he was the beaver. And a whole lot more has happened in the charmed life, as I see it, of Jerry Mathers, our honored guest of today on Manson Mitchell. Give us a couple of minutes and we will be right back on Seattle's Home of Alternative Talk,
0: AM 1150. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.
2: Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day.
3: The following is an encore
0: presentation of Manson Mitchell. Gary and Suzanne would like to wish you and everyone the happiest of
3: holidays. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our very special guest this hour, Jerry Mathers. That theme song's called The Toy Parade. Yes, it is. I want to give you the opportunity right now, uh, Jerry Mathers, to let people know about your website, the fact that you a tour, you've got touring dates, Um, whatever is going on, however people might connect you through, you learn more about you, what is the best place for them to do that?
1: Well, um, the best place would be www.jerrymathersbeavermerchandise.com, merch, it's M-E-R-C-H, we have hats, t-shirts, personalized photos, uh, beaver for president, hats and pins, that's an idea of my wife's I think she wants to live in the White House. I'm perfectly happy here, but it's just a lot of fun, and I get to meet a lot of nice people that way.
3: Excellent, excellent. Thank you. Jerry JerryMathers And Jerry, no, um, I'm
1: sorry, it's JerryMathersBeaverMerchandise.com. dot com.
3: Jerry oh, okay, Mather, it's okay. I, not
1: merchandise. I, I, it's M E R C H dot
3: Okay, I want to, I want to, yeah, I want to get that clear again. It's Jerry Mathers Beaver. Beaver. M-E-R-C-H. H- 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 dot com, Best place. Yes, ma'am. Good. That, that Thank would be a you. great
2: bumper sticker, too. There I could go for that. That's for sure. It, you may not live in the White House, Jerry Mathers, but you did live in middle America on the show. And I've been meaning to ask you about that. There is, and I realize this happens with some sitcoms where it isn't, you know, such and such place. A lot of them are local towns it's specific to a location. But in the case of Leave it to Beaver, it always seemed like it could be any town USA, which was part of its charm because the show was aspirational. Here is suburban American living in an elegant way, and it could be next door to you.
1: Well, I think the writers went to a great deal of, of not trouble, but they were very uh, meticulous in that they didn't want people to know it was in New England or, you know, the South or the Middle America or, you know, the, the West Coast. It was an American show. Uh, you know, people always say, well, it had to be Middle American. That's probably right, but it's not necessarily true. It was a, a young boy growing up in the 50s and early 60s in America and I think a lot of the people that are watching Leave to Beaver and are still watching Leave to Beaver and the kids, those things happen to a lot of kids. I get so much fan mail that says, you know, I really watched the show, and then all of a sudden I saw one, and that same thing really happened to me. It wasn't quite the same, but the show is just really, you know, about kids and what really happens to them.
2: We would be remiss if we did not bring up the wonderful Ken Osmond, who left us recently, remains with us, as part of our TV consciousness, pop culture awareness, and probably always will. Were you too close? Did you have the friendship such as you had with Tony Dow and others?
1: Oh, very definitely. I always said that he was one of the best actors on our show. In fact, he was probably the best actor because his real life and personality was so opposite of the character. He was so brilliantly pro- uh, performed. Ken was a decorated Los Angeles police officer and a true American hero. He was shot I think was twice in the line of duty in the 80s, and he had four different um, bullet, basically, wounds um, that he recovered from. He had a flak vest on, you know, and I thought, oh, if you have a flak vest on, the bullets just, you know, bounce off. No, the guy had hot rounds, and he had basically holes, you know, when we were changing wardrobe and stuff that you could see in his chest. They were indentations, but they were from gunshot wounds. So, uh Ken was a wonderful person, and just somebody that uh, it was a pleasure to grow up with.
3: And, and yet, he'll be remembered as Mrs. Cleaver. That's a lovely dress you're wearing today. <laughs> Conning everybody. Be a compliment than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that is interesting.
2: In the progression of the show and the characters, there is a whole arc there. Did they decide, Jerry, that—and I asked this because Suzanne and I had a very recent viewing experience of Leave it to Beaver, and we started to talk about it. Was there a moment where you knew that it was going to come to an end, and so, as doesn't always happen with TV shows, let's face it, did you have the opportunity to prepare for a last episode which turned on reminiscences via a scrapbook in the last episode?
1: We did, and, you know, it was because, like, uh, because of the union rules, which are good union rules, you could only sign a contract to do a series for six years, and then they had to, you know, they would renegotiate. But the nice thing about Leave it to Beaver for Tony and myself, Tony was getting ready uh, to go into um, college, and I was getting ready to go to Ella uh, to, into high school. Now, I had never been to elementary school. I had a private tutor from the first grade up until the eighth, so I mean, I was really looking forward. I wanted to play sports. You don't play that many sports in elementary school, but I was on the football team, the track team, and I was really ready to go to school with a lot of other kids. Acting was fun, but uh, I was a lot of times the only person in the schoolroom, so going to a regular school and being with other kids was, for me, probably a treat that somebody that worked at a regular school or going to a regular school would have thought going to the set was.
2: Suzanne, this is a good time for us to mention the fact that it was a, a bit of a synchronicity, but you talk about a transition there when the other day we said, OK, let's do some show prep. We're going to watch some Leave it to Beaver. And there were two episodes that we watched back to back.
3: I mentioned before the break, we saw the very last episode followed by the very first episode So we we got to see Jerry Mathers when he was his oldest in that show and then right away when he was the youngest in that show. And i got to tell you, Jerry, that was like being in a time warp. It was. To go from last to first in the same hour, that that really was kind of strange.
1: Well, you know, it was just all of them. Every year we look forward to going back, and uh, everybody got along real well. So, you know, it was a sad time. The last show, it wasn't. You know, like I thought, oh, this is the end of my life. But uh, everybody was at a good point in their life. I was going to high school. Tony was going to go to college. Uh, Barbara and Hugh, you know, they were putting in very long hours because a child can only work a certain amount of hours a day. So they would have to go back to the different sets and reset them up. And they were sometimes there until 8 or 9 o'clock at night where Tony and I usually only work from 8 to 5 or 9 to 6. But everybody loved the show. The whole crew usually had families, so it was just a very warm and uh, comforting place to be, and, you know, I really missed it. I wanted to go to high school, though, because I wanted to play sports. So I was on the football team, the track team, and, you know, it was a wonderful life, but uh, it was something that I had done for a while and was ready for new things.
3: You know, I wanted to give uh, allow you to give a shout-out to the writers Gary and I followed a show that was new this year, and I'm not going to name it. Uh, it didn't get renewed, and I said to Gary, we, we might have some really great actors in this sitcom, but the writing is poor. The, the, you know they're, they're like rehashing the same jokes over and over again, and there's, there's nothing that really makes you laugh. And then as we were watching the reruns from your show, there were some really, really funny things in there that were timeless, like uh, in one of the very first episodes where the new neighbor um, comes by and uh, and gives you a little kiss on the cheek. And then all of a sudden, uh, Eddie Haskell and Wally are saying you better watch out for her husband, he's gonna kill you. The idea
2: being to give the beaver the business.
3: Right, right, so they were they were teasing him and then at the very end of the show, you walk into the kitchen and, and you tell your parents, Oh yeah, I had I had a talk with her husband. He said I could kiss his wife anytime. <laughs> I mean, things like that that are are really well written. Um, well, the, the writers you know,
1: between them, I think they had twelve or thirteen children. There were two writers, Joe Conley uh, and Bob Mosier. and they took a lot of things even from their lives as growing up as kids. But a lot of those things came. Uh, Mr. Conley had a boy named uh, Ricky Conley who was just about a year older than me. So a lot of those things were really things that his kids or people that he knew from the schools and things. And he knew how to be a parent. He knew the things that parents had to do. So Leave it to Beaver it not only shows what a kid knows, but what a parent knows, too.
2: In one particular scene, we did have a good laugh the other day. And God bless the late, great Barbara Billingsley, who, who took all of this in stride. Because people forever, you must know this, Jerry, had talked about, who goes around vacuuming the living room floor. They're wearing this lovely dress and the high-heeled shoes and pearl necklace for crying out loud. And they're they're in the morning. It would have been the weekend because uh, Ward Cleaver was not dressed for work. He just had an open-collar shirt on. He's in the kitchen enjoying breakfast, lovingly prepared by his wonderful wife, June. And she brings over a coffee pot, and she's dressed to the nines, and she's got the pearls on. And I looked at Suzanne, and I said, why can't you do that for
1: me at breakfast time? (laughs) But do you know the reason she did that? (laughs)
2: No, I'd love to know.
1: Well, because when the show first started, Tony and I were very, very young and a lot shorter. And all of a sudden, Tony and I both started shooting up, and they were afraid that we were going to be taller than Barbara. And so she started with low heels and ended up in high heels by the end of the show. That's why she always had those high high heels on, even when she vacuumed. They didn't want her (laughs) to be smaller than us.
2: Well, they were a class couple, too. I mean, watching them, I remember as a kid, I would watch the show, and this is when it was new in production. I would watch the show, and I would think, these really are elegant parents. It's like if you were going to pick perfect parents and put them on TV, it would be these two. I had that sensibility around it. It was classy.
1: Well, you know, the thing that was really, I thought, very interesting is one of the reasons that that Hugh was so good at it is what he really was in, in real life, and he became an actor in the, I guess, early 50s, before Leave to Beaver, as Michael Shane. Now, once in a while, and maybe early morning TV, you can see episodes of Michael Shane, but it was like uh, a, a very, uh, it wasn't a B-movie, it was something they showed before. Michael Shane is this really tough detective that, when he wants information, shakes people and lifts them up by the collar, so that really wasn't the kind of... Uh, that he liked to do as a minister so when he got in and leave it to beaver and could take the beaver up and have a talk i always thought that a lot of that was his training as a minister barbara billings we was a new york model and just you know one of the a very high-end new york, new york model and i think that's why people say oh that's why she always wore high heels no it was because during the show tony and i started to grow up pretty soon we were taller than her and that's when she put on those high heels
2: this was a logistical consideration by the powers Absolutely. that be it definitely makes sense jerry without uh, with the wave of nostalgia and long may that flag wave by the way because I, I get gripped by nostalgia quite frequently i love the classics leave it to beaver right there just enthralling audiences becoming very beloved and then you go a number of years syndication is already happening And Jerry, I just have this image in my mind of some TV big shot who says to you or to your representative, perhaps, maybe he's framing it with his hands in the air. And he says, Jerry, I got a concept. We could make a reunion movie and call it Still the Beaver. What do you think? Are you up for it? How did that happen for you?
1: Well, they just just like you said, they called me up and said, you know, the show is At that time, one of the longest, now it is the longest-running show in continuous uh, uh, distribution all over the world. So it wasn't just that Leave to Beaver was popular here and it's still on the air and usually plays, of course, early in the morning, but that doesn't bother me. It's still playing. But they said it's just so popular. What if we did a a movie of the week? And we did a movie of the week, and it was, I think, the number two or three movie of the week for that year. And then we went on to do six more years of the new Leave It to Beaver, And it was kind of a transition for me that I really enjoyed. I got to play the the Ward or Hugh Beaumont part, and he had taught me a lot of things, and I was very, very happy to go back, and he had passed by that time, so we couldn't have him in. But we had Barbara Billingsley, Ken Osmond that played Haskell, Tony Dow, and a lot of the even original crew um, came back, and we just had a wonderful time. It was like old home week, you know, on the set of Leave it to Beaver, and we did that for several years, and uh, it was a, a very good show, and we had a lot of fun doing it, and people said, and it's in color, what, is it, what a you know, breakthrough for mm-hmm. Leaves the Beaver, but it was just fun to do.
2: And being a TV reunion movie, it, Hugh Beaumont had passed by that time, you say?
1: Yes, he was, um, but he was just a one. people don't realize, he was a Methodist minister, and he talked just like that when, you know, when I or Tony would do anything on the set that people said, well, we better tone them down. Was always Hugh Beaumont, not the writers, the producers, the directors that would come and have a talk with us.
2: I see, and it was then a very when... nice
1: talk. It was just. Shape up, kids. (laughs) Well, yes,
2: there you go. And and you'd believe it. He just had that credibility, that gravitas with him, and yet a loving man. When you made the movie, I thought to to film the funeral scene, there really touched me because it was in a pouring rain, and you have the umbrellas. And I thought, this is what it is to have a loving family, and into every life there will come heartbreak. And so uh, the uh, Ward Cleaver character, there was a chance to say goodbye and to honor him as you're leaving the funeral at gravesite there in a pouring rain with your umbrellas. I'll never forget that scene. I thought that was a very touching way to deliver that.
1: And that's, that's what we felt too, because he was just a, such a great part of the show. And, you know, in a lot of ways as actors, he was not only the father, but a very maternal father to everybody on the show and, you know, kept us, I hate to say this, but as kids, we were not wild, but, you know, we were, in Hugh Beaumont, if you started fooling around during a scene or whatever, he put you right back in, in line, and uh, he was just quite a man and, and, a, and a wonderful person, and then he would, when we finished doing the show, he would go out and become a minister again.
3: You know, I was, I was um, a little surprised because I didn't know all these various details about your life with being in the, in the National Guard and the Air Force and, and in real estate and all of that, and um, I think it's really commendable that you haven't kind of shed Leave it to Beaver in in place of doing, like, whatever the next thing is up for you. When I looked at your career, you've done, you know, live stage and movies and television, and then all these other things that aren't related to um, the, the uh, entertainment world. and And yet, it's like you really honor the thing that people know you best for. And well, uh, I, I
1: definitely have a great following, my fans are very very loyal. I always say I had more fun doing it than they had watching it. So, it's something that I am just so proud of and I'm glad people enjoy it, but even, you know, even so, I just had a wonderful time doing it, the people I have gotten to meet and the things that I've gotten to go, the countries all over the world. You know, Leave to Beaver plays, and I think it's like 30 or 40 languages all over the world. So, a lot of times at airports and things, people come up to me speaking a different language, don't realize. Oh, yes, you know, it's not that I don't speak your language, but that's dubbed. <laughs>
3: when um when you're able to travel again after this pandemic is over and people want to come and see you live what is it that what is that experience about when you're doing your tours and
2: you have some places you're going to be going that have been postponed to 2021
1: yeah of course because of you know social distancing and things like that and i very much treasure my fans what i usually do is get up and uh you know talk a little bit i Worked a whole lot before Leave to Beaver, so I talk about working with Bob Hope, Alfred Hitchcock, a lot of the different movies I make. I talk about the different characters in Leave to Beaver and how a lot of them were a lot different, like Eddie Haskell. Uh, Ken Osmond is a decorated Los Angeles police officer. Hugh Beaumont was a minister. So just a lot of things that uh, people don't really know about the show. And then I ask them, ask them to make, ask me questions. And, uh, you know, so if somebody has something that they say, I always wanted to know why is this or why is that, sometimes I can come up with an answer, and it's just a really nice time, and I usually sign autographs, uh, autograph pictures, and we just have a nice time.
2: That's, that's very nice. I can think of a partial list. Jerry, we have just a few minutes left, but I thought I would mention some of the folks that you were able to work with when you were still a boy. It just amazes me. You were directed by Alfred Hitchcock. In that movie, you had John Forsythe, bachelor father, later on he would be. You had Shirley MacLaine. You had Buddy Ebsen there as the the, uh, flustered sheriff who couldn't solve the case because of all the movements. If you've never seen the movie, you gotta watch it. And then you go on to your show and you had wonderful character actors who could do comic turns, like Richard Deacon, for example, a man I always thought, if you told him, we want you to be a uh, post over there planted in the ground, he'd show up on time, whether it was lines or not, he would be right where he's supposed to be, a thoroughly professional guy who took his craft extremely seriously. And these influences were yours to enjoy and to learn from, from a very tender age.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, TV was very new then. So most of those people were either stage or film stars. So, you know, when they came onto a television set, I had been working in television since I was two. So it was, in some ways, not a new medium to them, but it was a little bit different than doing a movie because we had a week to do it and that was it. So you had to get it right the first time. And uh, it was just a lot of fun, though. We had a great cast and crew. And uh, I enjoyed my life and am very proud of what I did in Leave It to Beaver. As well, you should
3: be. When when the show was first new and and you were pretty young at that point, did you actually memorize your lines from uh, from day to day, or were you fed those lines just as you needed them?
1: Well, I started out before Leave to Beaver on live TV when I was two years old, so I was definitely someone who knew how to memorize lines. And you know, the thing is, if you're a, a very young person and People just say, do this, and it's easy for you. You don't realize that it's that hard. As an adult actor, I might find that, uh, you know, that would be a lot harder. My mom would read me the lines, and she said, now when this person says this, you do this. And it was just something I said, you know, it was like whatever. I just thought that's what everybody did, and it was very easy for me.
2: Was it ever difficult for you at any time to remember lines?
1: Not really. I mean, you know, there were some tongue twisters every once in a while or— Things that I I might not, you know, know the meaning of a word or something like that. But uh, you know, as soon as somebody explained it to me and and what it really meant, a lot of times, and I'll be very honest with you, not a lot, but sometimes when I would say something and we'd go in and read it, and then when we came back and I had memorized it, I might say it slightly differently than they had written it, just because sometimes it's you know it's it's easier for me to say something in a different way, and they'd say, oh, that's better, that's the way a kid really talks. Say it that way.
3: So they knew that you were deviating from the script, but they were good with it.
1: Well, they were because it was the way they wanted a natural feeling to the show. They didn't want it to be like a, I'm not saying a Broadway play, but they didn't want it to sound like a line. They wanted to see right. the way a boy would really talk. And as long as it was close or meant basically the same thing, and, you know, it was the same way with Tony Dow and the other kids in the show. If it wasn't a big deviation that meant something else or it didn't sound right, but they said, well, that's the way kids really talk. That's the way the show should be.
2: And so you were able at that young age to deliver nuance. I just love that. You know, wonder- you know, I'm not sure we covered absolutely everything today, Gary. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> you know, luckily for us, we have Jerry Mathers on at the party. We'll just move down the hall, as it were. 1 p.m. Pacific time, American Road Trip Talk, a half hour gem of a show about road travel and baby boomer culture. We'll have the opportunity to celebrate all the heritage of Jerry Mathers, Leave It to Beaver, and all of the things in which he has been so joyously involved. So stay tuned on this very station, 1150 KKNW Seattle, or 1150 KKNW.com on the live stream for Trip Talk. That's at 1 o'clock, and we will visit once again with a few new questions and a different angle as we speak with Jerry Mathers on that program.
3: Thank you so much for being with us today. It was really a pleasure. Oh,
1: thank you for inviting me.
2: What a joy. Thank you ladies and gentlemen for tuning in.
3: Coming up next Christine Upchurch followed by the Susan Harmon Experience and then American Road Trip Talk with right. host
2: Gary Mance. Thank you right here at Seattle's Home of Alternative Talk AM 1150. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.